2: plus
0: hello everyone welcome this is our bonus episode for the month technically it's our september bonus episode Mm. but here it is on october 1st happy friday everyone yes happy to be here
1: and happy fall how exciting how exciting, indeed! It is exciting. I am thrilled. Also, really excited about this episode. Um, we have an interview episode with Hall. Um, it was one of the very first. Was she our first interview?
0: I think our second interview. Oh, okay. But like,
1: that's right. Yeah, our second interview, but very, after. very beginning of the podcast. Um, yes. But if you want to learn more about her organization, less than half, which is awesome. Um, we talked to her a lot about that in her first Yeah, in the original episode. episode with her. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then also tying back to another episode, um, the book that we read this month was mm-hmm. Linda Nochlin Reader. The women artist, The Linda Knocklin Reader, which is a yeah. collection of essays by Linda Knocklin who is a feminist art historian. And we actually did a whole episode on her essay, Why Are There No Great Women Artists? It's one of our most listened to episodes. So if you haven't heard that, then also check that one out. I think that was like our second episode. No? Third?
0: One of our very first that we ever recorded. (laughs) And I mean, like, that's just like such an important essay Mm -hmm. I think just around this conversation of women artists so if you don't want to take the time to read it you can go hear our musings on it and at least be well-versed and kind of know what it is because yeah in the feminist art world it's a pretty it's pretty important thing you'd probably want to read or at least be familiar with yeah
1: definitely I think it provides like really good context for why like women haven't really risen to that same level of being considered a great artist like Mm -hmm. so many men have throughout history and yeah so this book was really interesting because it had of course that essay as well as a couple of others on different female artists and their Mm -hmm. contributions and then different like movements and different things that Linda Nochlin experienced during her feminist art history awakening
0: it even just in the very first like conversation with Linda Nochlin which like it kind of talks about her suddenly opening this world of feminist art and just like realizing Mm -hmm. what was all there
1: yeah which is cool because i feel like we've had similar experiences that we've talked about like Mm -hmm. hearing about someone in class and just like hearing comments and things just not setting settling right and being like wait a second and
0: like this isn't right Mm -hmm. here
1: so it's kind of cool to read about that from someone as notorious in the art history world as Linda Nochlin and her kind of awakening so
0: I didn't get through all of it because it's quite a hefty book full of all of her writings but like I feel like it's a very valuable thing to have, Mm -hmm. and yeah, and I'm excited to continue making my way through it. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I think both of us probably read more of the general female artist essays rather than, like, the individual artist and their contributions, so Mm -hmm. I'm excited as well to be able to go back and kind of look at some of those artists that she talked about specifically and um, the different ways that they contribute to this conversation
0: and it was awesome having hall on this episode too kind of as a guest again because this is her expertise Mm -hmm. as far as like the art world now and all that she's doing with her less than half organization and she talks about at the beginning of our interview just what exactly she's doing now with that so I will it for her to explain herself. Yeah. But it's really cool. So I was stoked that she was able to be back on.
1: Definitely. She's, like, immersed in this art world that we only like read about and dabble in um (laughs) especially as she's the
0: expert here. yeah Yeah. she's an art
1: historian and this is what she spends all of her time on so it was really great to be able to talk to her especially because she's read like all of the (laughs) writings Mm -hmm. of of Linda Nochlin and she knows yeah definitely so we're grateful for her and all that she's doing and she's just a wonderful person so I'm sure all of you will just really enjoy this conversation with her. Before
0: start that, um, I just want to shout out her Instagram, which is just all dot the dot lady dot artist. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if we actually said what her Instagram is. I don't think we did, but we mentioned it. Her instagram is just very educational and um it's really awesome to follow you'll learn so much mm-hmm. so definitely check that out again it's all dot the dot lady dot artist yes Hi. Hello. hello it's been Welcome a while back. we're happy
2: you're back <laughs> i know thank you so much for inviting me back of um, Course. I know we're
0: like coming up on our year of more than a muse and that means like we're yes. coming up on our year episode with you so it's like perfect way to commemorate everything
1: Definitely.
0: Yay. how have things been in I guess the last year then with what you're doing because the last time we tr- talked you were doing like the 50 women project oh is that the right name for it mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah okay uh-huh.
0: yes yeah, so give us the brief update then
2: yes okay so um I started something called the Less Than Half Salon, which mm-hmm. is a virtual community that is dedicated to learning and talking about um, the work of women artists, um, both contemporary awesome. and and historical. Um, so it's uh, it's sort of just in its you know in it's it's infancy, but um, it is a place where people who are artists who are Uh, just, you know, enthusiasts who are collectors, who are gallerists, I mean, really anybody who wants to know um, about women artists um, can come and, and basically do everything that you would do in, like, a traditional salon, so, you know, minus, like, drinking wine though I suppose you, you could drink <laughs> wine and and eat but you'd have to do it in the comfort of your own home <laughs> yeah. um, but so it's 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 conversations I post questions for people to respond to I do like a news roundup of all the stuff that's happening in the world of women artists and um and then I host events which are just sort of casual conversations with um people who are not in the salon and I really I really want it to be like a, a place where everyone's sort of on equal footing and can volunteer their their thoughts and their experiences, um, you know, not in the way that like events are where they're a little sort of buttoned up and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. you sort of have to ask one question of the speaker. I, I want to sort of even it out. So anyway, it's been a lot of fun. It's been um, a lot of work, of course. I'm but sure. Um, yeah. That's but so I've enjoyed cool. It.
0: Yeah. Like how are you hosting this then? Like is it like via Zoom or how does that work exactly?
2: Right, so it's on a platform called Mighty Networks, which is a um it's kind of like Facebook but it doesn't have, you know, it's just not it's just not know. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not Facebook. So it's um uh a host. It's private. It is, um, you know, there are, you know, thousands of different mighty networks, but the, the one that I have is just, uh, just the members and there are no algorithms or anything. There's no one stealing your data. None of that (laughs) good stuff.
1: Oh, good. (laughs) And then how do people join? Is it like a membership fee? Like, tell us about it.
2: Yeah. So there's sort of two, um, well, there's a sort of artist tier and then there's a everyone else tier. Um, so I was very conscious of, of not having, it is a, it is a paid membership, but, um, I, I definitely want anyone who feels like they can't pay for that every month to, to be a part of it. So I'm definitely encouraging people who, you know, would love to be a part of it, but, you know, can't find a you know, place for that, um, in to just email me. Um, but yeah, it's sort of mm-hmm. like a monthly membership. Um, and yeah, it's at www.lessandhalf.network. That's <laughs> cool. awesome.
1: How cool. What a, an incredible project too, to like gather people together and have those conversations that are so necessary. I love that.
2: Well, it's just been, you know, it's, it's because of the pandemic, you know, the fact that mm-hmm. we can chat, um, and you know, you're all the way in Utah and I've been talking to artists from all over the country and I just wanted to capture that energy and keep it going.
0: Yeah. I think that's a total like like a one positive like byproduct of it all. If it's like I think it helped us realize how small the world is and like how yeah. so much can be popular or not popular, how much can be possible virtually. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, wait, there's like things that we just like haven't been taking as much advantage of that we can do with Zoom social media networks. And it's like, why aren't we connecting more? And like conversation is still meaningful if it's over Zoom.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I was, um, you know, uh, there were a couple of art fairs last, um, last week in New York and I went to them and all of a sudden I felt the world sort of closing in on me you know it was exciting to be in person and see art in person but it just it 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 felt like I had really missed the expansiveness of the internet Um, yeah
1: that is one of the nice things you it does open you up to allow anyone from anywhere to be a part of the conversation so that's really incredible and it ties in so perfectly. This is why we knew we needed to talk to you because everything that you're doing ties in so well to like the early work of Linda Nochlin and a lot mm-hmm. of her essays mm-hmm. and everything. So I'm sure you're like well versed in Linda Nochlin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah she's a fascinating character um i'm i'm so sad that she died like basically just as i was becoming you know interested in in women artists so you know i wish she were still alive so that i mm-hmm. could send her an email and and beg her to meet with me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That would have definitely been cool. There's so many people doing this podcast, our list gets longer for and sure. longer.
2: Me and Sadie are always like,
1: oh, if I could go back in time and talk I'm to one like, person, <laughs> they're added to my list.
2: I mean, Josephine Baker would be a great person to meet. Right? Yes.
0: So you are a big fan of Lyndon Auckland, I gather, right? Yes. I am. <laughs> I definitely am. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So this month, you know, we read the Lyndon Auckland Reader, which like for me, I'm primarily a musician. Mm-hmm. so kind of immersing myself like in it I'm like learning so much as I go basically as I do this podcast and just like the visual arts which has been interesting and fun so I'm gonna let you be the educator for anyone who is not as well versed and doesn't have the immediate recognition of knowing who Linda Nochlin is how would you maybe just kind of explain like her importance and
2: like what she did
0: or like, even just from your own perspective, like what's your viewpoint on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, well, I think what is, so, I mean, first and foremost, you know, what she's famous for is for being a feminist, feminist mm-hmm. art historian, um, you know, her her sort of specialty is not in feminist art, you know, she mm-hmm. started, you know, her her intellectual and academic background is in, you know, like 19th century art, um, which I think is is really interesting because it it allows for this perspective that is not not sort of inundated with whatever was the contemporary political moment. You know, it definitely mm. obviously is completely informed by that, but it, it has a little bit more space. Um, and she has, you know, I, I have a I have a background in, you know, I, I've studied art history, so I do know a little bit about, um, male artists, but, you know, it's starting to be that, like, I don't actually have, you know, I, I could have more of an art historical um, uh, perspective. So it's really tricky for me to, to to make sure that I know everything that's going on in the contemporary world, but also have this sort of historical background. But that was sort of built in for her. But of course, her sort of biggest and most impactful um, essay was, was why have there been no great Women Artists, uh, which was published 50 years ago this year, um, and that was something that uh, was published in, in Art News, and um, it basically outlines the sort of systematic ways and structural ways that women, um, you know, were not given the tools to succeed as artists, and, um, you know, it's a definitely a provocative title, I think. Mm-hmm sort of you know bristle at it because it's like wait no there what are you saying are you saying that women aren't great and what yeah. she's saying is that that you know women th- there is no woman that is as she says a Michelangelo or a, mm. you know a, a Matisse or a Picasso because there just wasn't the, the the structure that would celebrate someone on that level um who was who was female um so yeah, I don't know. If I really? No, that's a no, question. You're
1: good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I love most about that essay. That's what we had read before this book, was just that we did an episode mm-hmm. on, on it. I think it was like our second. Yeah, it was one of our episode. very
0: first episodes that we mm-hmm. just talked about. <laughs> <another> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Right. Because it does, it points out that problem that it's like, no, they're very like talented, great women artists. They're just never, they're not at that. I was about to say they're never, but they are are (laughs) they just have never been allowed to be at that level that like Michelangelo and Da Vinci and everything else have reached Mm -hmm. and I think that that's like a very important problem that no one had really called out before I think as far as my knowledge goes (laughs) until Lyndon Laughlin yeah yeah Yeah. one of the things that was cool about the book too is that she it brought in a lot of like first person essays and Mm. stuff Mm -hmm. from her of like what it was like coming into like the early feminist movement and realizing that she was a feminist and what she had been missing the whole time. Cause she like talks about like a friend giving her a bunch of papers and then her going like, Oh, and she changed her entire seminar class for her college to studying female artists and history because she had never even thought about the fact that women were still discriminated against. and it's crazy to imagine that in like our world like a a time period where gender discrimination wasn't really talked about as much it's really interesting
2: she says something like what that it was like a hallway with a bunch of doors that were opening up to her um, something like that I I really love that way of putting it I I often describe it as like um Like coming downstairs on Christmas morning, it's it's a yeah. There are tons of presents under the tree, and you don't you don't know what what's in there, but you know it's Mm -hmm. good, and you're just you know so thrilled at the the possibility of what what's to come um, Totally. one after another after another um, it's how I feel really every day um, that there's yeah. just there's another present to open
0: <laughs> I love that what I think is like so crazy too is because like obviously she was speaking from the lens as an art historian and strictly mm-hmm. you know speaking more strictly to visual art but I think it's so crazy just the more that we're learning in general about the different art mediums that it's like there's not With all art mediums, there's not that great woman artist too. And so I think it's like, if anything, for me, like doing the podcast and like the more I am learning, the more it like solidifies that there are systematic things happening, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not just like one type of people, not one time period, not one. It's like, it's everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, like, yeah, like there's, there's something going on here. (laughs)
1: No, Absolutely. so true. That reminds me of like, I'm trying to remember what book we were reading. Was it More Than a Muse? But nice. it talked about the impressionism movement, how it was a gateway for women artists at the beginning, because it was something new mm-hmm. and different that hadn't been established. And then she talked about in this one too, like multimedia, like collage and pop art and video and movement and how that became like a gateway for women as well to like kind of move in because it wasn't established yet. They like weren't, kept out of it already. It wasn't so gate <laughs> mm-hmm. And right, then it's right. interesting too, when it's like some of those women are those founding members of those movements and yet they're still being kept back from being considered like the great ones of it when like they jumped in right at the beginning because they finally were allowed to do something. So yeah, it definitely shows like the problems that continue with each group and movement of art that like it's yeah. still continuing.
2: Yeah, and there's just so much potential for one of my sort of um, pet, pet peeve is like way too, way too, you know, calm or <laughs> like deep annoyances. And, and, and to some point, my deep, you know, some of the things that make me some sort of the most angry is that when women do innovate, um, mm-hmm. that those innovations are, are taken away from them. So there's so much potential when there is a new medium, or a new um, you know, tool like the camera um, mm-hmm. to to do something new and different that ends up exactly like setting the tone for the um you know the subsequent um artists. And it's so often that those moments of innovation are taken away from from the women and attributed to basically whichever man was like closest to the woman when she figured it out I think the there's a technique in photography solarization and there's like you if you turn on the lights when the um when the film is exposing in the dark room Mm -hmm. then a really cool effect happens and I I mean I've never been able to really verify this but it seems like Lee Miller, who's a photographer, um, Mm -hmm. discovered this and she was in the dark room, but Man Ray, she and Man Ray shared a studio space. And so that innovation is given to Man Ray. And it's like, just because he was the man. And then he was like, oh, that's a good idea. Of course it was a good idea. He took it and then he was more popular. And and then, you know, Uh the, the rest is history.
1: Yeah. It comes up so often, actually. It's kind of infuriating. It's not kind of infuriating. It's very infuriating. Right. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that with Sonia Delaney too, mm-hmm. the whole technique she had. And then it was her husband's credited as the father.
2: Right. And which her is work is insane. so much more interesting to me. Yeah.
1: And also um, you even recently brought it up with the, oh man, what's it called? they Covered the arch,
2: yeah, Jean Claude,
1: but they were crediting just,
2: yeah, just Christo,
1: yeah, yeah, and that's also annoying as well that it continues to happen. They just credit the man Wait, what in the picture. Can we,
0: what exactly is that?
1: What happened? Do you want to talk? I feel like you, Hall, you probably understand the whole art piece more. All I know is that they they covered,
2: <laughs> yeah so Christo and Jean-Claude or um both of them are are dead now um so this mm-hmm. the the work that they did in Paris is um yeah just sort of the their estate and foundation that mm-hmm. executed it um but they're known for um doing these Large, large-scale uh, interventions in public spaces. Um, so mm-hmm. their sort of most iconic work is is wrapping things. So they wrapped the Reichstag in Berlin. They wrapped the Pont Neuf in Paris, and they wrapped most recently, uh, which is currently on view, uh, the Arc de Triomphe in, yeah. in Paris. And mm-hmm. um, they're they're a duo. You know, they they work together. They're married. Um, but or they were married. Um, but they were absolutely, you know, the you look at the artist website, it declares that yeah, everything. A every, team. Yeah, they were a team. Um and uh for one reason or another, the the media has gotten it in its head that Christo is really the mastermind. And Jean-Claude is sort of, you know, they'll say that. the the artist duo the collaborative pair whatever but it's just so clear the way that these articles are written that Jean-Claude is is always sort of like in the you know in in the sort of off to the side um she's always in like a clause it's like Christo is the active part of the sentence and then it says you know in parentheses and And his wife Yeah. yeah His wife.
1: Right. So yeah. his creative artist partner. and yeah. Okay,
0: cool. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't hear that. So that's cool. I mean, not cool, but like, yeah. right. it's sad that it's still <laughs> happening in live time and it feels like a point proven that it is. So there's yeah. the cool
1: yeah. thing
2: about it. Right. Right. The,
1: right. That piece though is really cool. I wish I could see it in person, but the pictures are really cool. They chose like shimmery fabric yeah. too. So mm-hmm. it kind of glitters. Mm-hmm. It's cool. <laughs> But anyway, that kind of leads into the next thing is like, since this like essay came out, like I said, that was 50 years ago, she posted an update that was like 30 years later, Mm -hmm. which now has been like 20 years years since that one. (laughs) So um, what problems do you think have kind of been alleviated a little for women artists? And what ones do you think were still battling which obviously we've talked about
2: a few of those but (laughs) yeah it's interesting because she it's interesting to see how little has well first of all the consciousness um I think that people are at least vaguely aware that women artists aren't as you know all you have to do is ask someone can you name five female artists and they can't and then it's very clear the stark the stark difference Yeah. yeah um so uh there's that. But I do want to say that I think that she, you know, in the opening of the essay, she just says feminists will hear me say this and they'll immediately turn to their books and dig up people that they thought were great women artists. Mm-hmm. And you know, and she's saying that's beside the point. Missing the point. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think people are definitely. Doing that today. Um, I think there's absolutely a, an impulse to sort of rewrite history, but added to it um, is an interest in finding, you know, great black artists and great um artists of color. Um, so that adds a, a dimension that she doesn't really address, which is of course yeah. like the, the problem of, of, of 1970s second wave yes. feminism is that it was not not intersectional, but um uh and i, I do want'm I've, I've been thinking about this question um in anticipation of um of our talk, and I was thinking about the fact that the way that um, we perceive greatness in the arts um, you know, in the last twenty years, maybe in the last, maybe in the last forty years, but definitely in the last twenty um, is so much about, price and auction results and breaking records and for better or worse that's how we think of a great artist you know Mm -hmm. the fact that Leonardo da Vinci broke you know his 400 million dollars the highest auction record is evidence that he's a great artist and the fact that Picasso commands 100 million dollars means that he's a great artist and of course that's not true um you know, there's great art that you know you can buy for a hundred dollars. There's great art you can buy for a hundred million dollars. But um, so I think that that sort of confirms uh, something about Linda Nochlin, right? That you know there 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 is no woman artist who is making you know is making millions of dollars um, on on her you know auction um, results. So in that way, there are no great women, contemporary artists, because they're just not at the level of of their male um, counterparts.
0: Something that as we've been doing this podcast and like learning is uh, what I'm finding a lot of that I didn't expect to find is that there actually are and were a lot of women, which of course, this is like I said, this is throughout all the different kind of art mediums we focus on, who are famous and quote unquote great when they're alive, but then Mm -hmm. when they die, their legacy almost gets completely written out. And that's kind of like made me almost like think of this question of why are there no great women artists as kind of like, well, maybe actually they were when they were alive. It's just that, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't remembered. And, and I guess that's kind of maybe like then what you define as great, you know, is great defined as popular and successful in their day, could make a living off of their art, famous, Or is a great woman artist or just a great artist in general is like one whose legacy lives on for generations and who can still sell, you know, millions of dollars for Mm -hmm. their paintings later on. So I don't know. It was interesting to like find that so many of these forgotten women artists actually like by the same like standard of like their male counterparts were doing very well when they were alive. Mm -hmm. It's just didn't no one remembers them.
1: Right. No, that's such a good point, because even like a lot of women were more successful than Mm -hmm. like. For example, Van Gogh, who didn't have like any success really during his lifetime, even though it was short. Mm -hmm. And then now he's probably considered one of the greatest and well-known artists. Mm -hmm. And yet that happened primarily after his death, which is kind of a crazy thing when it's like, okay, what is happening here where it's like in their lifetime, or even humorously like what's stopping women from being able to reach that same level
2: mm-hmm.
1: of mm-hmm. greatness as so many other men before them and around them?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we can sort of take from that, and yeah, make sure that when when these artists, these female artists who are popular, when they die, that we, if we're still alive, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep, yeah, keep their legacy like, alive. But
0: it's Definitely. it's also kind of the point of you know like digging and finding out these women artists and being like they were great it's like it's like that double-edged thing it's like you don't want to like rewrite history and be like no they were amazing yeah. and great but it's just I don't know it's she talks a lot about in the, in her essays and there's even one that I read like later on where someone was talking to her about it and she kind of like acknowledges the fact that like originally she said like nope you can't really do that but then later on like went on to like put on the shows that were all women art shows like what are your <laughs> thoughts on like on doing things like that like do you think it is still important to do those type of shows or like have those type of conversations slash organizations that do strictly only highlight the quote-unquote forgotten women artists or the more contemporary ones that maybe aren't getting the recognition that they should
2: yeah um I I mean I think the most important thing is solo shows for Mm -hmm women that have accompanying catalogs. um, I think there needs to be original scholarship and I think there needs to be um, the ability to see the breadth of an artist's work. Um, But in terms of like a female abstract expressionist show or a female pop artist show, you know, we're probably still in the moment where that makes sense. Um, I very much preferred the the putting them in the context that they were in, mm-hmm. um, and especially in a familiar context. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you know Roy Lichtenstein or Andy Warhol, and you see a female artist who's clearly in dialogue with them, it's much easier for you to understand that they're, they are on equal footing whereas mm-hmm. obviously siloing um does make it seem like like there's something separate that's like women's yeah. art history and it exists yeah you know sort of parallel but not intersecting with like art history which is male art history mm-hmm. um so yeah I don't know <laughs> I mean <laughs> of course I think i you know said this last time we talked but it's like I, it, I you know I'm also guilty of the sort of semi hypocrisy that that linda knucklin is the guilty of because it's like i'm advocating for one thing but i'm also saying like i'm, I'm doing the same thing I'm i finally. mean ston yeah. and i have had
0: the have the right. conversation had the conversations yeah. when we started of like do is this the right way to do it like do we just right. talk about artists and then also make sure we include women but right. so it yeah it's kind of a weird hypocrisy to it then mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah
1: i get no, it oh yeah We grappled with it a lot for sure. And like in an ideal world, I would love it if just every single textbook and museum and everything just put the women that were there in history right alongside the men. I don't know why it has to be like, a whole separate wing or division or museum. Mm-hmm. Just like put them together in the context they were in. It makes more sense. Right. And
2: yeah. They were they were. I mean they were in the mm-hmm. same rooms. They were some yeah. sharing studios. They were, you yeah. know, going to the same bars. Exactly.
1: And I think that's one of my favorite points she brings up is that like they have more in common with the people that are around them during their art movement than other women from other periods of time and other art movements yeah. like the only thing that ties them together is gender and that's not enough of a tie with their artwork to like throw them all together in the same room right so yeah it is definitely like an ongoing struggle <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah yeah no I definitely think that if there is to be a all women show there that you have to be very much addressing the exact same theme um in different ways though i do think that like recontextualizing things that are you know like women well okay right now there's a show maybe it closed of the the pattern and decoration movement um there's a show up at um bard college in the hudson valley and pattern decoration was sort of a feminist movement that was very much addressing the fact that certain things were disparaged uh patterns and appliqué and textile based things were disparaged because they were female. So having a show that's female artists in in doing the pattern decoration uh makes sense because the, yeah. the movement directly engaged with the sort of siloing of of women and and tried to, you know, um sort of reassert itself and empower those mm-hmm.
0: types of things thanks for coming back on i
2: Absolutely. know i know there's
0: a lot of things we kind of talked about twice but you know it's been yeah weird. and nice little mm-hmm. good any refresher new listener hasn't probably heard our original episode so <laughs> plug for your original episode because you talk a right. lot yes. more about what less than half is and your journey mm-hmm. to getting there which was right very very cool
1: just thank you like your expertise in this area is always so appreciated and we love um, having you on and also just interacting with your Instagram accounts. Like everyone definitely go check that out. The quizzes and just mm-hmm. the information and everything. Like, I love it so much. It helps me feel more involved in the art world, even though I'm living all the way out in suburban Utah, yes. in <laughs> New York city. <laughs> so definitely encourage everyone to just go be an involved in your organization any way
2: they can. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, it. I get so much energy from, I don't know, you can tell them I'm mm-hmm. beaming mm-hmm. right now, <laughs> but it's just so, um, I, it's just, it's just amazing the, um, the amount of energy, um, that women have had over, over the course of history to keep yeah. doing what they do. And, um, and I think the same goes to, you know, anyone highlighting women. I think it's, it's sometimes a thankless thing and it's <laughs> often, uh, you know, a, um, a labor of love and um so i really appreciate all that you do and i learn from you too i mean there's so much that i don't know about um about you know musicians and 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 dancers and um every other facet of the arts so um yeah
0: thank, thank you, you. Oh, yeah <laughs> it's like fun to just be like you know just fans of you so appreciate it it's mutual <laughs> it's mutual i appreciate that yes. <laughs> Thank you again for chatting with so us. Much. Like I said, with like Sonny said, your expertise is much appreciated. So, yeah, I guess that's everything.
2: Great. Well, yeah. thank you, and um, yeah, you've inspired me to get more deep, deeper into Linda Nochlin because um, I can't say I've read the entirety of that book.
0: Well. I can't say I have quite it yet either. either. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty hefty. Um it is. but there's a lot of good stuff, even if you just skim through it, like it's yeah. very interesting just hearing her takes on everything. So right. still right, worth definitely. it. Just mm-hmm. yes, it's quite a hefty thing to get through. <laughs> it
1: is a very, very big book. <laughs>
0: cool. Well thank you so much, Hall. We'll talk soon, probably.
1: Indeed. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic okay everyone and that's it i hope you all enjoyed listening to this conversation and interview with hall rockefeller um Mm -hmm. just a reminder to check her out on her instagram at all.the.lady.artists and especially her artist salon there's more information about that on her website so you can be a part of those conversations that she has going on um, mm-hmm. she's wonderful and we love having her on. So go support her in any way that you desire. And absolutely.
0: And we'll be back on Monday Yes. with our regularly scheduled episodes. Today is October 1st and for the rest of October, we've got a lot of spooky themed episodes planned and I'm very excited.
1: And we have a spooky book. Um, our book for October is going to be, it's called the science of women in horror oh yes by kelly florence and meg haftal mm-hmm. and they talk about special effects stunts and true stories behind our favorite fright films and how that relates to women in those industries so we're really yep. excited to be reading it um bringing in the spookiness of the month and making mm-hmm. it feminist
0: <laughs> yes exactly And I also want to mention that um, if you guys are interested in purchasing any of these books, um, whether it be the Lyndon Auckland Reader or this book as well, or really any book that we've talked about, we do have an Amazon affiliate account and we'll have those links in the show notes. So if you're interested in purchasing these books, it'd be awesome if you could use those links because that will support the podcast And yeah, and we have a whole other book list available if there's any other just light feminist art reading you'd like to do.
1: Yeah, we got you going. There's some really great ones. So especially um, as the holiday season approaches, if you're looking for a good recommendation, feel free to message us. Um, We
0: got plenty. Yeah.
1: And every episode we've covered pretty much has some books that align with it. So you could even just look at what your favorite episode was and purchase a book from that. So happy october everyone and happy october happy week on monday bye, bye. <laughs>